I'm Nick Abrahams, and welcome to Web3, From Mystery to Main Street, the podcast where we talk about how technologies like crypto, DeFi, NFTs, and the metaverse are being successfully embraced by mainstream businesses. The, the concept of NFT technology expands far beyond the idea of bored apes and crypto punks. In fact, the very nature of this technology lends itself to an extraordinary number of uses and potentially in the area of how we control our data. And I am delighted today to welcome Mark Paul, who is the founder and CEO of Ethium. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Nick. I'm really looking forward to this. Well, it's, um, I mean, I love your, uh, your company and, and what you're doing, and not just because it's, it's based on, or it's not based on, but it was a thought that I had um, some, some time ago about how NFTs technology might be applied to data. And I put something out on LinkedIn and I got a surprising amount of hate uh, for it. I'm no stranger to a spot of hate on social media, but I was surprised people were like, oh, you know, this technology will never work um, in the personal information space. And Ethium is a great example of exactly the opposite, that in fact, it will work and um, and is working terrifically. So before we jump into to that idea, maybe just a little bit about about your background. How, how did Mark Paul come to... Uh, come to be uh, looking at this space? Sure, yeah. So um, I, I totally get it when you said you got a lot of hate because I've been getting a lot of hate myself <laughs> on this for many years. Oh, we, we're kindred spirits in that regard. Absolutely, you? absolutely. This is, so, this is like a support group. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, the, the story of Ethium is actually a six-year-old story, right? So it was, um, I come from a very traditional tech background. So I've worked in a very traditional tech ranging from, uh, broadcasting to social media, all the way up to health and government. Uh, but I think around seven years ago is when I uh, started working in the health tech space. And, uh, and something became very evident to me that this area specifically had so many issues around uh, data silos, right? You can see it everywhere, right? It's all just locked up data, totally disconnected. And there's so many issues in health that I could directly connect to the fact that this data has been locked up. And uh, what uh, was really annoying me even more was the fact that all of this data that's locked up is like personal data, individual patient data, like you and me, like our, our data was locked up in silence. So this is when the idea formed, right? Like I wanted to just build uh, a platform where which could uh, somehow lever, uh, connect to people in the real world, collect their data, uh, create really high value personal data sets, but uh, as a point of differentiation in the platform we built initially like six years ago, which was just a traditional web two platform, you still get to own your data. Even though we never used, you know, crypto or blockchain or anything, it was a traditional web two platform, but it protected your data, uh, but it, you know, it was this ideas. Uh, of course, I spent six years trying to get this into the market, trying to raise investment, and almost every single conversation went along the lines of this is not going to work because uh, this uh, data sets are too valuable to give it to an individual to, to uh, oversee or to look after. You know, what, what if it's hacked? What if it's breached? So I did understand that point of view, but I felt like the whole point was missed, right? The idea was to unlock these data sets. And uh, I think it was last year 
when it became very evident to me that Web3 is the, is the tool set that you could use to solve that problem. So we, um, we pivoted to complete crypto native and Ethereum became a Web3 platform. We no longer focused on health. So now we became a horizontal Web3 data platform. Right. Uh, but the objective is still the same. How do we bridge high value data from Web2 to Web3? Let you and me as individuals take ownership of it. And how do we trade this in the open metaverse? I mean, it's, it's such a grand vision. Um, and maybe to get a bit of sort of a flavor of things, how are you, how are you rolled out in the gaming space? So some examples around how it works in gaming. Sure. So yes, you're right. It is a very grand vision. So we say that we are uh, building the core data protocol for the open metaverse. Right. So yes, you can imagine right. that's, that's yeah. like saying I'm going to build this <laughs> new infrastructure. Uh, but that's effectively what we are doing, right? But we are yeah. we're being very pragmatic about it. I mean, the fact that we come from very traditional tech for 20 years, we are we want to uh, reasonably get this out to market, and that's our go-to-market is around gaming. Um, and as you would know, gaming is 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 where all the real innovation originates from because they have less friction to get their tech out. Yeah. So in in gaming, we launched uh, our first products called the Gamer Passport. And uh, effectively, what it does is that it enables a, a gamer as they move between Web3 games and Web3 guild, gaming guilds to collect their data footprint. Uh, and I'm talking about on-chain data, like their gameplay, their earnings, as well as their off-chain data, like how, how well they interact in their Discord communities, how interactive they are in Twitter, their social sort of metrics. So we have built data adapters that bridge this Web2 data on-chain and off-chain attach it to a Web3 identity. Um, and then effectively, we have a DAO-based mechanism for bulk trading the data sets. Now, uh, this is not all just in the white paper. We are actually releasing this next month. Uh, and uh, this is in collaboration with Wonder Hero, which is one of the, one of the uh, we feel like one of the best Web3 games at the moment, growing very fast, very solid uh, game economics, uh, they do a wonderful job of being cross-chain. So they are across two blockchains. They leave a very nice data footprint on chain, which is great for us. So, and they have an awesome team that loves data and insights. So we work very closely with them. And uh, just three days ago, we announced a partnership with Polka Starter Gaming Guilds. Mm -hmm. Thousands of scholars, Wonder Hero gamers within it. So we have a three-way partnership where we install our gaming passport within the Polka Starter Gaming Guild Discord, where there are thousands of uh, participants. And they got Wonder Hero Gamers, and they're literally collecting all this data and giving it back to the gamer. It's never been done before. It's it's a it's quite mind blowing when you think about what kind of uh, use cases this will unlock from terms of personalization in Web three. But very excited about it. Oh, it's fantastic! I think we probably might need to sort of back up a little bit um, because people may not quite get what a gaming guild does. So so, and I think that obviously informs the use case you're talking about, but maybe could you just explain a little bit about sort of how, you know, what a gaming guild is and why they would be interested in this um, information in the Gamer Passport? Yeah, great question. So gaming guild is nothing more than, think of it as a community of people who like to game, who are interested, or who are interested in gaming. In Web3, most of these communities hang out in Discord. Uh, think of, it's just a social tool for you to build communities in. 
gaming guilds in Web3 specifically, they, uh, they themselves operate as a DAO or a decentralized autonomous organization. So a lot of these gaming guilds are crypto projects by themselves. They go to market, they raise some private investment, then they launch their token through an IDO, and then they raise a pool of, of crypto money. And what they do with this money is they, they purchase gaming assets. And in Web3 gaming, most of the games require you to own gaming NFTs, characters, you know, and, and, and stuff within your sword, your skins, your potions, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. everything in Web3 gaming is an NFT, which is the big difference between Web2 and Web3 gaming, right? Yeah. Now, so the guilds uh, fund and buy a lot of these assets. And then the guild effectively has one job to do. They need to optimize the income from the use of these assets. And they do that through basically two things. Uh, one is they have their asset liquidity, a pool of assets. They need to find the best player liquidity. In other words, the best gamers who are going to use these assets and earn the most. And the more that the, the, the best performing gamers earn the best for the guilds, the more revenue the guilds earn based on their DAO-based mechanisms, they share that back to the community. So you can see the cycle here, right? Now, it, it just so happens that what's at the center of this cycle and at the center of this whole economy to function is they need data. They need insights about who are the best gamers, right. uh, the history of the gamer. Uh, and at the moment, you would, be, you would be shocked to see the tools they use to do this, right? So right. they literally use... Not spreadsheets. Spreadsheets, absolutely. <laughs> they, they have every we will never, we will never get away from spreadsheets. I know, I know, right? So every if you wow. start talking to Web3 guilds, and these are huge organizations, yeah. right? 30, 40, 50,000 gamers in them. Yeah. They literally have a team of like operational staff who are filling spreadsheets, uh, getting gamers to send screenshots of their gameplay. Right. Right. There's wow. this mess of data. And we said, okay, wow. Ethereum just plugs in here and we can solve such a valuable use case and, and guilds love it, right? They they are waiting for a tech like this. Yeah, it is it is fantastic. And I guess, you know, for for folks who, who may not sort of be super focused on the gaming world, I mean, the, the, the way that guilds work, if we think about it in a traditional sense, is it's, it's just like, a, you know, an investor collaborative, I guess, that have bought an asset that someone else wants to use, i.e. the gamer, and then they do a revenue split on the earnings that that gamer makes in-game. And so, you know, for the more traditional-minded, you're actually getting to very um, standard or, or conventional business cases where you've got an asset, you know what your return on that asset will be. You want to optimise that return, as Marcus said, by getting the best gamers. And it's it's the first, I think, digital asset business model where you can do a discounted cash flow um, analysis and valuation on it. So I think it's very much, as Mark said, said before, as you said before, the idea of this notion of in gaming, we are starting to prove out the business models of of the future for digital assets. So, so I think we, we, we've got the gaming and that sounds, so it sounds like the, the game of Passport is, uh, is well on its way. How about in the health space and, and some of the, the sort of uh, projects that you've been working on with health-related data? Yeah, sure. So uh, health, I mean, it, it's a personal connection for me. I always wanted to solve this issue in health. Mm. So gaming is the way we get our tech out, we show that it works, right? And health is probably where we could have the biggest social impact. So I, I spent a lot of time going around talking 
about this because for me this is the the, the problem to solve. Yeah. Uh, okay. So what what are we doing in health now? As we were actually designing the gaming use case, the gaming passport, uh, looking at the different ecosystem participants, you know, the, the data creators, the data consumers, the DAO-based bulk trading of data. We actually very quickly realized that we had come up with a framework that we could apply to any vertical industry. And uh, gaming is one, but second and most excited, uh, excitingly is in health. So uh, we started talking with a few partners who immediately got what we were trying to do. Uh, the, I'll, I'll talk about a couple of uh, projects, one particular which we're going to announce very soon. Uh, I. I, I think I'll hold off from mentioning the name. Okay. Uh, okay. But, and only because we are planning a big announcement in three weeks' time okay. about it. Uh, but this is one of Europe's largest uh, preventative health uh, service providers. They have right. about 20,000 subscribers to the service. They're based in Romania. I'll give you give you guys that much. <laughs> okay, so we've got some, some hints. <laughs> some hints. Hopefully we don't get dogs here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they are the most well-known provider in Romania. So how they work is you get a subscription service uh, and then you get access to their preventative health services as well as their clinical health services. So you get right. access to telehealth, their doctor network, gyms, and all of this, right? Now, they actually quite... Web3 savvy. So they launched an NFT collection that uh, provides you access to the same services. So you can go to the open market, buy one of these NFTs and walk into their gym, scan it and walk walk in. Or you can uh, literally use that to get a telehealth consult. Now, uh, what their ambition was, okay, what does the next generation telehealth and telemedicine platforms look like in the metaverse, right? Like, could we walk into a clinic uh, in the sandbox or, or some of these platforms. Yep. Could there be some interaction between the clinic building and the, the provider within it? Could we share some data? Could we launch a personalized telehealth platform? And that's what we're, we're working with them for. So in, in health and in specifically this use case, we are building a metaverse health passport. So our same technology stack, basically retrofitted to another industry, uh, we are getting access to their preventative health data sets of, of their subscribers. Uh, we are attaching it to the individual. The individual owns a, a data NFT within Ethereum. Uh, the data NFT happens to be fully interoperable in the metaverse, and they're able to then share their data for a more personalized healthcare experience. So this pilot project starts off next month as well, and we uh, intend to deliver this within 10 to 12 months. Okay. Okay. And I mean, it's, it's fantastic. In terms of uh, what's the user experience of that going to be? So I, I basically, so, so, you know, to say with your, uh, you know, the example that you gave, you've got an alternative health provider. They are, so, so my information will go in. It presumably sits on a blockchain. I imagine, you know, it's not. Um, you know, it's encrypted in some way, so it can't be viewed by people, but it sits on the blockchain. And then I get an NFT, I imagine, in relation to my data. And then do I, you know, how do I determine who else I want to share that with? Because obviously I'm already sharing it with, with your particular partner, but if I wanted to share it more broadly, and, and is there a, is there an economic incentive to do that? Or is it just, um, that, you know, the convenience of having that data stored? in a public access but, but secure blockchain solution? 
Yeah. Okay. So let's uh, to explain the user journey. Let's go back to the gaming example. Okay. The same user journey in any right. any vertical. Um, the first thing to note is that the data itself doesn't get stored on the blockchain because okay. there's, there's a lot of this data. Uh, and uh, how how internally we store it? So we have this concept called a regional decentralized hub, and what that basically means is we pick storage based on the use case. So if it's if it's gaming and it's not PII data, we we can we'll store it in IPFS and Filecoin. Uh, but if it's PII data leaking in here, we take that very seriously. We enable on on-premise storage. Okay. So if you are generating the data set, and this is uh, very uh, applicable to health, in that example of the partner we're talking about, they have very sensitive data. Their data never leaves their premise, so okay. they're literally leveraging our protocol right. on-premise, right? And I'll explain how it all works together. So going back to data, uh, the gaming use case. In, in gaming, we're collecting a gamer's data. So if you think about it, if you're playing games, we know how much you're earning, how active you are, uh, how interactive you are in Discord, who you're helping, all of this. So it's not very sensitive data, right? So it, it, it's a nice, useful data set. Um, we store this in Filecoin. So we have a concept of a data adapter. Yep. You consent to join the gaming passport. And basically what you're doing now is consenting to link your data adapter to your address. We get, it, we get this data, we store it in IPFS, we encrypt it using per-user per encryption. So your every data set is encrypted in a unique way to the user. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is the first part of the puzzle where we are bringing in the Web2 data into Web3. Right. The second piece of the puzzle is you as the individual has have to go into our data decks which is a product that we have, okay. and okay. you have to claim ownership of your data set. And uh, okay, so uh, maybe just explain a data yeah. deck for, for people. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So um, the the second product, as I was mentioning, is called the data dex. Now, uh, dex stands for decentralized exchange. People yeah. are familiar with the with the dex from a trading token perspective, yeah. but we created the same concept for data. This is right. a peer to peer exchange for trading data. So it is a decentralized app. You log into it. Uh, and once you log in with your address, which is your wallet, uh, which is something that you own, uh, it's able to identify all the apps that are built uh, on Ethereum that are linked to this address and it pulls all the data sets in. Now, once you do it, there's something here that's very pivotal and it's a very important step. You have to claim ownership of your data set. Right. Right. And once you go in there, you see this nice data sets that you have. So if you're a gamer, you see your gamer passport data set. You claim ownership by minting it into a data NFT, which is oh, okay. a construct within Ethereum. Right. Right. So data NFT wraps ownership of your data. Right. So you own the NFT in your wallet, and that indicates that you own this data. And then the next step is now we're heading into the third group of products Ethereum has. Um, this is where it really gets interesting. Now. You are at this point owning your data. Now you need to enable certain things that get people to firstly trust you. Uh, as an example, in, in Web3, there's a lot of scam and a lot of yep. fraud and a lot of civil attacks. So we have a concept uh, in Ethereum called the uh, NFME ID avatars. And what this is, is this is an avatar of yours. Think of it as an avatar version of itself. Okay. And you can't just mint it. Uh, like you mint any other NFT. Right. There is a certain governance that goes into okay. minting it. So you have to effectively prove that you are not a bot 
uh, and then you get the ability to mint this. Now, the reason you're doing all of this is because what we're trying to do is let you take ownership of your data, prove that you're not a bot or trying to attack the system, and then own some identity, which is our avatar. And now we have a high value data set linked to an individual. Even though we don't want you to expose your entire data identity, we have some idea that you're an individual. And the next final step is the bulk trading of this data, right? So you want to be able to bulk trade this data. And this happens through a data coalition DAO. This is the next concept that we have mm -hmm. where you basically, are people who have the Gamer Passport aligned to a single DAO, and the DAO now has delegated rights to bulk trade this data and share in the revenue that comes from it. Right. Right. I'll have to exp I'll have to I'll have to point out. I know this sounds really complex from a user journey perspective, but this is all of this happens under the hood. Right. 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 So from a user's perspective, you are interacting with things that you are very familiar with. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now I would imagine. Yeah. The you know what will be critical is obviously you know a seamless user experience and um, but you know at its core you know it makes sense. It's the idea of so you've got your your personal information which you claim. You wrap it in an NFT. That's your NFT or your NFME, um, which I like, and and then you effectively, should you wish to trade it, then it's um, you would sort of enable the um, uh, you know that to be traded as you know as a particular category. I imagine um, by the in the bulk trading uh, that goes on because my you know my own information. Is, is not worth terribly much by itself, but, you know, large organizations will pay, you know, more money for, uh, bulk data. So, okay. So it, it, it truly does put the power or, or the control of our personal information back to us. And it's that sort of concept of digital twinning, whether, you know, digital yeah. twinning of our gaming, uh, you know, at, what we do with our gaming and, and social media habits, uh, as well as digital twins of, um, of health. And I imagine, you know, we can apply the same. To finance as well. Can I ask? So the big issue with, um, uh, with personal information is always, you know, how can people be comfortable that their data is safe? So is that, you know, is that, is that the, you know, do we get comfort around the, the encryption and the, the rigor of the smart contracts and so forth? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the fact that we are focusing on, on personal information, um, we, we have to take this uh, elements very seriously, right? So this is the reason why we, you know, our first version of it stored everything on IPFS. Right. Uh, and then we were like, okay, probably not a good idea because if we want to branch off into, into health and we store your health profile in IPFS and you want to at one point forget yourself from right. a system, GDPR, it's almost impossible in a peer-to-peer -peer system, a yep. storage system. So then we came up with a concept of, okay, let's do on-premise adapters. So in other words, you keep the data on-premise if you have sensitive data, uh, and then you just plug in to the rest of the functionality that we provide. In other words, the ability to tokenize data as a data NFT as effectively creating like a license to use, enabling royalties on retrade. So this is the protocol level uh, concepts you can leverage, but the data itself never leaves your premise, right? The, the, uh, that's one item we looked at. Now, what we're working on right now is actually taking this a step even further. Uh, and this is the ability to enable access control uh, using on-chain conditions on, a on, on the data set, which is encrypted per user. 
So uh, as, as an example, I am a gamer. I, I collect all this data. When I claim, the moment I claim ownership of my data as a data NFT, it's encrypted with a key that's specific to me, not my wallet or anything because I could lose my wallet. It's an independent key that's specific to me. And access to this key is based on an on-chain condition. So if somebody wants access to my data NFT, they need to buy it from me or take it into the DAO. And the fact that it's in another person's wallet, that person has access to the key to look at the data. So what we have done is uh, we said that, okay, the ultimate uh, view of this is every human who joins Ethereum's products or products built on Ethereum will have a data set encrypted specific to them. So even if a breach were to happen, it's complete gibberish of a data set because every, every single row is almost akin to every single row in a database being encrypted in a different way. So um, this is, of course, something that we're, we're working on right now. But the initial version is we provide, we provide the option if you want to protect your data, if you're in healthcare, you don't even leave it, you uh, move it out of your premise. You keep it on premise, but you, you, you plug into the rest of the tech stack that we provide and you can protect your data as you're normally protecting your data right now. Right. Fantastic. Does it, it seems like... Um, this is a new paradigm, really, which is, you know, I think if we think about what happens with our personal information right now is effectively we go to, you know, any organization's website or wherever and we, you know, we put in our personal information and then, you know, pursuant to privacy regulations, there's obviously, you know, we have to consent to various things and, you know, click the I agree that we've read the privacy policy and agree with it, albeit that, that none of us have ever read any of those privacy policies, but we immediately tick that. Um, and, and then so that, so we don't really know what we're signing up to in many of those privacy policies, unfortunately. And then that information goes to the organization. And then we, we trust, I guess, A, that they deal with it in accordance with the privacy policy and B, that whatever we've agreed to in terms of the way they're allowed to use it is you know, fair and reasonable and we're not going to get, you know, spammed from people we don't know, etc. And so is the proposition that, that you're saying that Ethereum um, heads to is where we come up to that I agree box. So we want to interact with a particular organisation, be it a healthcare company or you know, financial services or game. Um, and then um, so rather than that information that being um, I guess subject to that particular organization's privacy policy, the information will be made available pursuant to the terms of the smart contract that underlies the NF me or, you know, my NFT. So if my NFT says this information, you know, the smart contract, this information can only be used by this organization, can't be shared, et cetera. Um, is that, is that, is that where we're headed to? We actually, we get to dictate sort of more around how organizations can use our data. Yeah. So the the ultimate goal, right? Like let's imagine a world with yeah. Ethereum now as the core data protocol for right. the open metaverse is you as an individual go about your daily life generating your petabytes worth of information that's coming out of you daily. Um, and you have effectively all of this is being per user encrypted, encrypted with something that's specific to me. Right. 
it's been tokenized as individual data NFTs. So like if you think of your social data as, as one data NFT, buckets of data NFTs that represent different things. And now is where the problem that you mentioned, right? Like at the moment in the world we live today, I use a service, I agree to terms of, terms of use of an app or whatever I'm getting for free. I don't read it. And uh, my data is stored somewhere and sold to data brokers, right? So data brokerage is a huge problem. It's a three, it's a $200 million, a billion dollar industry in the world. Now, what we are envisioning the future is individuals like you and me, we care about our data and we care about how it's used, but it's a very complex topic, right? Mm -hmm. to, uh, to, to try to simplify who's going to use it, how do I stop you from using it? How are you going to pay me for this? This is why we brought in the concept of the data coalition DAO. Yeah. Uh, 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 data coalition's job is to effectively, uh, you can delegate this complexity to. You go ahead, collect your data, meet your data NF uh, NFTs and your NFME to prove your identity. And then all you have to do is find a coalition that you trust, right? And the reason you trust it is because it has open governance, it's transparent, it has its charter on how it's going to use the data, how it's going to share its profits, and then you align to it and then let it trade your data on your behalf. If you don't like it, exit anytime, or you can, as a DAO, you can bring up a vote to have a no confidence vote to get, get rid of them. But if you really think about what Ethereum is doing, and this was actually our first tagline before we changed it, was we're building the world's first decentralized data brokerage platform. Right. Because what's happening right now in the world with, with centralized data brokers trading your data for you know, a $200 billion industry, we have created an alternate decentralized stack to do it. The reason we don't talk about the, this is because we find that it, it confuses people when we talk about decentralized data brokerage. So we try to, we're trying to simplify the message a little bit. But from a technology standpoint, we have built a mirror to what's happening in the real world, but in a decentralized way. Fantastic. It is a it is a bold and exciting vision, Mark. I'm very, very excited about it. I guess so what's next for Ethereum? You you sort of um so you've got the gamer passport coming on, you've got the Romanian uh partnership. What's what are sort of the next steps? Yeah, we've uh we've in the last um four weeks we've announced three partnerships. In the next three weeks, we're gonna announce another three partnerships. So we we have no shortage of people who want to to try this tech out. Um, but, you know, we are the first to acknowledge what, what we're doing is super ambitious, uh, but we're also very pragmatic. That's why we're approaching it as let's get the Gamer Passport out yep. next month. Next month, you're going to see the tech. You're going to be more wowed by it. The month after that is going to be huge when we release the NFME ID avatar and we're going to have whitelisting, whitelisted minting. In other words, you could, as an individual, uh, apply to get whitelisted to mint your Metaverse avatar. Uh, and yeah, it's basically our strategy is uh, pilot partnerships. So in gaming first, uh, health uh, with the, the Romanian company. Uh, we have one that's very exciting in Metaverse e-commerce. So they have already doing retail in Metaverse, taking our same tech stack and then putting it in these different sort of verticals is something that gets us very excited. Terrific. Well, thank you very much for sharing the Ethereum story so far, Mark. It is a it's a fantastic vision, and uh, you know, we'll wish you all the very best with it. And thanks for very much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. That was a great conversation. 
Thanks for listening to Web3 from Mystery to Main Street. Nothing in this podcast is legal or financial advice. Have a great day. And remember, every organization needs a Web3 strategy.